Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I wish I could say to you that that father on the show picked up his Bible and turned and said, Honey, you know, God has some things to say about what you're planning to do. But he didn't. Do you know why? Because that's the enemy's way to say to our generation, God has nothing to say about sex. Western society is so used to young people having sex that the idea of waiting until marriage or being embarrassed for not waiting aren't even considered. But God, the creator of sex, had and has quite a different viewpoint on sex. You'll find out in today's teaching by Pastor Mark what a remarkable couple Mary and Joseph were. You'll learn from Scripture how their personal integrity, which was a byproduct of their devotion to God, guided them and made them the suitable caretakers for God's son that they became. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 1 as he continues his message, When God Rearranges Your Plans. Lord, let us hear your lessons for in your Bible, would you turn to Luke chapter 1? We had a wonderful wedding here at the church, and I was able to officiate at it. And for Brian and Susan, the place was just wonderful, and they had like 5,000 people in the wedding party. It was just incredible. (laughs) While I was thinking about their wonderful wedding, any of you had wedding plans, and then they got rearranged? Anybody? You had it all worked out, and then things went, whoops. Well, I remember when I was in college... My best friend, a girl, that wasn't a girlfriend, just a best friend in college, on her wedding day, her fiancé didn't show. Now you talk about a difficult rearrangement. Well, today we're going to see that Mary and Joseph, oh, they have wedding plans, but God rearranges them totally. So we want to learn together The principles, if you're a man, you be Joseph. If you're a woman, you be Mary. And we're going to kind of, in this backdrop of Mary and Joseph, and a story you're familiar with, we want to learn together what happens when God rearranges our lives. Now, we gave you three principles. Number one, a wise person knows they exist for God, and God doesn't exist for them. In other words, our world is to revolve around God, not the other way. Number two, a wise person commits his or her plans 
to the Lord. The Bible tells us that we should plan. See, I've made all these plans with God. You think he could rearrange any of them? At any time. I'm open. He's the one that gives me it. It's not me. So I have to be, number three, flexible and willing to rearrange my plans when God directs. So as you think about that today, think about the plans you have. I know you have plans. How are we going to function when God changes those and rearranges them? Before Mary and Joseph were born, God had a plan for their life. Mary didn't realize from the Old Testament this would be her. Joseph certainly didn't realize it as well. In Isaiah 7.14, a prophecy given 700 years before Christ, notice what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, we'll come back to that in a moment, will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 700 years before Jesus, we know that through a virgin, there would come a son. It would not just be any son, but it would be God himself. He would be fully God and fully man. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's the first thing you want to write. God has a unique, specific plan for each person. Mary, God had a plan for Mary. She doesn't know it yet. Joseph is going to be part of Mary. He doesn't realize what's entailed in that. But God had a very specific plan. He has one for you. He has one for me. Surgeon Danette are headed to Haiti. Well, God knew that. In fact, before they were born, God knew that. And he is rearranging their plans as well as you and I. Now, don't think it's just because it's pastors or special people like Mary and Joseph. Because you're going to see that Mary and Joseph aren't special people. Mary's a, a, just a wonderful young woman. Aged probably 13 or 14. Joseph's a carpenter. They're both poor. They live in this funky village called Nazareth that nobody cares about. And yet God had a plan for them. In Luke chapter 1, if you'll scoot on down to verse 26, we begin. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged. Some of you will have betrothed. We'll come back to that. Pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So Mary, also from the lineage of King David, was this young teenager, 13, 14, or 15. She lived in Nazareth. She's called a virgin. The prophecy in Isaiah was a virgin. In those days, notice Dr. Luke, who writes the book of Luke, Dr. Luke, he was a physician. He uses the term virgin. 
Now, many people debate that term because that term can mean a young, unmarried woman. But that term in those days, it did mean a young, unmarried woman, but it automatically meant a young, unmarried woman who was still a virgin. I wish that I could say to you today, in our society, in our churches, if I would talk about a young man or a young woman, if I would say young man unmarried, young woman unmarried, I wish I could say to you that automatically meant a virgin. Never have had sex. But that's not true in our society. Linda and I were watching a program. There's not many that we watch. I watched it and it was a subplot. You see, the enemy knows psychologically how to begin to rearrange our thinking. Well, we watched this and one of the stars of the program was a young man and he's been dating this young gal, beautiful couple, and they're in, I think it was her apartment, and she turns to him and she says this, is there something wrong with our relationship? Is there something wrong with me? And he turns to her and he says, well, no, why do you ask? And she says, you know, I really like you. And we've been dating many times over the last month. But we haven't had sex yet. Is there something wrong with me? And he said, no, there isn't. To be honest, that's not my normal routine. In fact, he says... I've been dating all my life, and usually by the second date, I've already had sex with the person I'm dating. But you're kind of special, and I've just been waiting a little longer with you. She then looked him straight in the eyes, got close to him, and said this, Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. And kissed him passionately. The Bible says something very interesting in Hosea. People perish for the lack of knowledge. Last night, after I taught the Bible study, I went home and watched another show. It's a show I like. On the show was a man who's Divorced from his wife and taking care of his daughter. She's 15, 16, 17. They show her in her bedroom, dad's gone, just kissing her boyfriend. And she says to him, I think I'm ready. He says, I don't want to force you. I don't want to make it pressure. She said, it's not pressure. I want you to be the one. I know we don't know each other very well, but I like you, and I want you to be the one. Later on in the show, she kind of tells Dad about it, that they're planning soon to have sex. I wish I could say to you that that father 
on the show picked up his Bible and turned and said, Honey, you know, God has some things to say about what you're planning to do. But he didn't. Do you know why? Because that's the enemy's way to say to our generation, God has nothing to say about sex. But I differ with our TV world. God invented sex. Not Hugh Hefner. God. It's incredible. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it's designed by God with a purpose. I want to give you a statement, and then I'm going to talk a little more about this subject. Sexual intercourse before marriage was a sin in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and still today. Now, don't say to me, and there's all the verses, you don't have time to even get to them today. But here's what I've discovered. The Bible says people perish for lack of knowledge. So our teenagers at 13, 14, and 15 are experimenting with sex. There's no long-term relationship. And how is it affecting them? You say it doesn't affect them. Oh, I beg to differ. It affects them spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And it causes damage for life sometimes. Why? Because mom and dad have never shared the balanced teaching from God. Why? Because mom and dad don't know it. I want to say to you, I don't take this responsibility of being your shepherd lightly. I do not want this generation to go down the path that Satan is planning for you. So I want to say to you lovingly and kindly, I want to give you knowledge. So you as a parent can talk to your children. If you have children 11, 12, and 13, you say, I'm going to wait till they're 14, 15. Too late! You be talking to them now. And you share what the Bible says. You see, the Bible promotes abstinence before marriage. There are no exceptions. And sex between a husband and a wife after they're married is the only form of approved sexual relationships in the whole Bible. Husband, wife, married, wonderful. Hebrews 13, 4. Wonderful. Exciting. Not just for kids. Wonderful. Orgasms. All the rest of the exciting stuff that happens. Who designed that? God. Now you take it outside those boundaries. Disaster is happening. So why are you talking about this, Pastor Mark? Because disaster is happening. You see, as you and I sit and watch a television show... We don't even think about it anymore. Oh, cool. Here's another kid. 13, 14, going to have sex. That's okay. Oh, wow, wow. We don't even think about it. See, it's become so normal to us. And of course, to our teenagers it is. Because nobody said, whoa, whoa, whoa. God has a good plan. No, it's not a bad plan. It's a great plan. I had the privilege yesterday of marrying this couple. They waited. Wow. 
What do you think last night was like? Stars and stripes forever. It was wonderful. It was good. My wife and I, by the grace of God, were virgins. Our, both of our children were virgins. But I know that maybe because of lack of knowledge, you're no longer a virgin. But I have good news for you. When Jesus met a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, been her lifestyle, you know what he said to her? You're forgiven. Go and sin no more. So I want to say, if you've lost your virginity as a young man or a young woman, it's time for you to repent, ask God to forgive you, and start again. And your wedding date will be as if you are a virgin. Because you put God first. Here's the principle you want to write. It's in every area of our life. Always rearrange your plans to match the truths of the Bible. You say, Pastor Mark, that's prudish, that doesn't work. No, it's not. If you go against God's perfect plans, it'll be disaster in your life. See, the world says that's outdated, doesn't apply. By the way, notice my definition of sex in marriage, sex in our lives is approved in one case. A man and a woman in marriage. Not two men, not two women, not teenagers. Now, in case some of you are here going, get him, Pastor get him, just down, get him, get him. Get him. You're a little self-righteous. Let me tell you what Jesus said one day. And he said it to you and he said it to me. He said to me, he said, Balmer, if you go to the beach and lust after a woman in your heart, Balmer, you've committed adultery. So cool it out there with your self-righteousness. Anybody not guilty? Go ahead and try to raise the hand. So I'm not here condemning you. I'm trying to love you back to the path that God has for you. Mary was a virgin. It was considered normal. And may God help us here in Melbourne, here in Vieira, here in Brevard County, that it's considered normal once again so that God can bless us. Notice this word pledged or betrothed. You probably didn't use betrothed in the last week in your language. This was a state that was kind of like an engagement to us. But once, what happened is about a year before people got married, they actually got betrothed. And there was this contract that was negotiated between the parents. Normally, marriage was arranged by the parents. All of you that are teenagers say, praise God, it's been changed. It's not that way anymore. But they had this year-long engagement period, this betrothal period, and the contract could only be broken by death or divorce. If Joseph had died before the marriage ceremony one year later about, Mary would have been a legal widow. If Mary became pregnant during this time by another man, very often in the Old Testament days especially, she was stoned. You'll see why this is a problem later in our teaching. So they would be betrothed for a year. There would be no sexuality 
at all between them until that year was up. Now, as you and I think about that, Mary's here. Look what the angel says, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The new King James says, Blessed are you among women. Now here's what I discovered in all my life. When it comes to Mary, usually people go to one of two extremes. We don't really want to do that. As a Protestant, very often we don't honor Mary enough. You see, Mary was favored above all women. I mean, God gave her grace. God gave her beautiful chance to become the mother of our Lord. Now, understand, Mary was a recipient of grace, not a dispenser of it. She was just an average 13 or 14 year old. She didn't earn that. And yet, we know that as she was blessed among women, she needs to be honored. She needs to be magnified. But could we take it too far the other way? Yes. You see, there are places in Europe right now, in the Catholic Church, where Mary is being promoted as a co-redemptus. That I can pray to Mary. She can be my go-between. But the Bible, the book of Hebrews says, there is only one person that's the intermediary, and that's Jesus Christ. So, how do we balance this? Take a look, you're right there in chapter 1. Look down at verse 46 and 47. You at Vera, turn also, 46, 47. Let's realize what Mary recognized. After Mary is given this wonderful promise that she's going to be the mother of our Lord, she writes this beautiful prayer and song. She says in verse 46 and 47, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my... Tell me what? My Savior. What? See, Mary recognized her own need of a Savior. Mary was not sinless. Mary needed a Savior. So nowhere does the Bible tell us to worship or pray to Mary. That's too far the other way. But Mary does merit our respect. You'll see that more as we go through. But only God is to be prayed to and worshipped. And in fact, some of you have been taught that Mary remained a virgin. That is not true, and you'll see that in the Bible at the end of our teaching. Verse 29 Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now you talk about having your wedding plans rearranged. They're kind of normal. They're going through this process. It's going to be a year. Man, she's going to marry this carpenter. It's going to be all right. They arrange everything's good. All of a sudden the angel comes and says, "Uh, Between now and before you get married, you're going to have a son. What? In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about how God rearranged, 
Joseph and Mary's wedding plans. This was a test by God of Joseph and Mary's faith, too. Would they trust him to see all of this through, despite the public humiliation and scorn? You learned that they trusted God and they did what God asked. This is something that you can do, too. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching when God rearranges your plans. You'll be talking about God's intention for sexuality and how despite the appearances, Mary and Joseph honored that. Pastor Mark will talk about the redemption that's available for those people who haven't kept God's laws. He'll explain about grace and God's ability to see you through to the end. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue this teaching when God rearranges your plans. On behalf of all the team here at Lessons for Living, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.